Welcome to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show Podcast, a program all about caring for your animal companions. Now, here's our hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Lee, how you doing? I'm doing terrific, Rick. How about yourself? Well, I can't say it's bad. No. I think life is good. I agree with Lots you. Lots to look forward to. I agree with you. Uh, everything seems to be getting brighter and better and, frankly, a holiday weekend. So you can't beat that when it comes to having some extra days to be with things. But, Rick, we've got an interesting show this week because something that I just don't think the world really knows or understands is what all goes into a store like Proust Pets. Because the truth is, I think people have their view of just any retail store. You order stuff, it comes in, you put it on the shelf, you price it, and somebody comes in and buys it. But the truth is, they don't have a clue what that's like when all of those products are alive and are real creatures that need to be created yeah. in nature. Yeah. You know, we're that, that that's the truth. I mean, we are creating inventory, right? So, yes, it's the animals that are doing it. We're just watching. But but still, you know, uh, we have to figure out who should get along, who should be bred, you know, for what reason, uh, and and what really makes sense at breeding in the form of animals at our store versus animals that are bred elsewhere. Um, or in the case of fish, um, whether it's marine fish or freshwater, there are scenarios where they're collected from the wild. And uh, when does that make sense? And there are actually situations where it actually makes more sense getting an animal that's collected from the wild than there is breeding that fish. Um, or animal for that matter, and it oftentimes has to do with sustainability. Is it a sustainable resource, and is it is that animal possibly even in better health or condition uh, in that scenario? And I think of the cardinal tetra as being a perfect example of that, that I find that the health and vitality of that fish, when it is taken from the wild, it is a very sustainable fish resource. There's lots and lots of them out there and that will just perish for another season, if you will. Uh, so there's there's plenty to pull from, uh, mm -hmm. whereas other animals, that's not so much the case. And the only way we really have that animal available and for people, especially the domesticated side, like our small animals, is to have them bred either in the store or, or from people that we can trust. Right. Well, part of what it takes to do that, though, is having the right people. And truth be said, you guys have always been very fortunate because you have a gentleman named Antonio who works in the back, who, if I'm not mistaken, comes from the Caribbean or is it Cuba? So he's from Cuba and he, he actually is a, a, a trained veterinarian, mm -hmm. uh, went through uh, Havana University and, and became a veterinarian back in his younger days. He's now older than me mm -hmm. and continues to exercise some uh, skills that uh, I don't know that anybody in the United States really is anything. I mean, there's I'm sure there's others that are very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to fish keeping and breeding and, and, and understanding the veterinary science. But putting them all together 
The man's just an absolute genius, mm-hmm. and we're so fortunate to have him, and he's done such a great job over many years. So uh, I'm very proud of the room that he's created, and we actually have one person now that's uh, been helping him, Astral. Right. She'll be on a radio show. Right. And and she's going to tell us all about what goes on back there. Well, and in addition to talking about the breeding that goes on the fish room, we also have Katie Ramp, who works in the small animal breeding room. And so we'll get a good feel for what is it like when it comes to making the decisions, like you said, taking care of these animals and the benefits to you, the consumer, who comes into Bruce Pets and buys these animals. So it's going to be a very interesting and and enlightening show this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. Sally Babbitt wants to help you plan for your pets. So it's very important that as a pet owner, we take care of two things. Come up with a succession plan for who's going to take those pets and also come up with a way to fund that. Sally Babbitt will work with you to make sure your pets find a loving home in the event of your death or incapacity. Because we all know, for example, I have a a beautiful Great Dane, and she's wonderful. But she also has some special health problems. So I understand that to have someone take her in is fine, but that's also a financial burden on them. And so I would need to think about setting aside maybe some money to take care of that animal. And going further, how far do we go with our pet's care? when we're gone. Plan for your pet's future with Babbitt Legal. I am on West St. Joe Highway, 6005 West St. Joe. I am just conveniently located a quarter mile from the Big B. 517-507-3306. Finally, two hosts your pets can relate to. It's Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I'd like to be... We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a return guest who was just in here not all too uh, far away ago. It's Astro Slank, who is the assistant fish breeder at Proust Pets. Welcome to the show, Astro. Hello. Hey, it's good to have you back here, Astro. The reason we wanted to have you back here is because Rick and I have been talking recently about all the things that go on at Pruce. And one of the things that amazes me, and I don't know how much the public actually knows about it, is the degree to which you are in the back room conjuring up magic when it comes to recreating fish and and (laughs) coupling people together, or fish together at least, and uh, breeding back there. So can you share with the audience exactly what you do at Pruce Pets? Well, a lot of my job is cleaning, uh, cleaning and more cleaning. It all seems super romantic, but the utmost, like, most important (laughs) thing that we do is tank maintenance to make sure our fish are in tip shop shape and that everything is, you know, not pristine, but like healthy and good to go. Right. So really my hands are in the water siphoning. Um, that's like most of my day, but every other time uh, there's a lot of focus on food, a lot of focus on environment, a lot of focus on fish health in general, uh, making sure, you know, when we're pairing adults that they look healthy, that they are in good 
uh, we call it, you know, breeding conditions. So they've got a lot of weight on them. They're, they're looking bright and colorful. They seem to be like in good physical condition overall, no deformities. Um, we spent a lot of focus on baby care and that's daily water changes, feeding multiple times a day and just kind of giving them the best chance to grow successfully and stay healthy to reach adulthood. So Astral, uh, if I were to bring a customer back there, or in this case, the uh, listening audience and, and, and visualize what they would see, uh, explain a little bit about what they would see in the room and how many mouths would there be to feed? If I had to guess, I would say we probably have over 10,000 mouths to feed at any given time. <laughs> I would and say you're underestimating it, possibly. I would, but I don't, I don't want to try to count. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I'm not paying you to count. Okay. <laughs> at least, at least 10,000. I mean, we'll the go first with thing that. that you're going to see right when you, the, the first thing you're going to see right when we walk in is our, uh, some of our mid-stage grow-out tanks which are like directly in the door. So these are going to be a lot of our babies that are taking on their actual fish shape. When they're, when they're really small, they just look like stomach with eyeballs. <laughs> but as they start to grow into their inter intermediate stage, we know what species they're going to be, which we know beforehand, but a normal person probably wouldn't. Um, so they're like dime-sized fish. This is where we're able to monitor them. They're moved up into their big kid tank. And they get a lot of a lot of eyeballs, a lot of light there, and a lot of focus. Um, going further in, though, you're going to see a lot of our live bearers, a lot of our adult pairs for our different fish, like angels, rams, epistogrammas, um, our breeding groups of cory catfish. Most of our tanks are live bearers, so we've got like sword tails, guppies, things like that. And those guys, we don't we um, separate out babies when we can, but a lot of times it's a good sized family unit in each uh, tank system. So those are like our main focuses in what we're going to see when we walk in. We have a lot of tanks too, where it's like fish that are separated and ready to go up for sale, like maybe more adults. So they don't outcompete babies for food and they're kind of sorted into groups that way as well. Now we, we have uh, Antonio Moore, your senior for whom you assist um, he does a fantastic job there, but for you specifically, what is it that excites you about it? I've, I've had many a staff members that have assisted him over the years, and I can say that you have about as much enthusiasm and focus and passion for doing this as anyone I've had back there. Tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about it. Uh, I am super excited generally about genetics. I, they, it makes my brain itch. I have a lot of fun figuring out how, you know, different genes work in the fish and what makes, what makes a certain color combination or variety. But I also really like and really, really have interest in ecology and how do we make our systems, you know, if, if, if at all possible, as close to the natural environment as we can, or how do we raise our fish to do well in the systems we can provide them? Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoy that aspect. I enjoy watching, you know, point A to Z of them growing and developing too. It's, it's all in all in all, it's just a lot of fun getting to raise and interact with, you know, 30 varieties of fish and that be my day. 
Now, um, I the journey's been long, and the reason for doing this, uh, this whole breeding of fish, it's not a very common practice, but it occasionally happens at the retail level. Oftentimes, these fish are bred, um, you know, in Southeast Asia, where maybe labor's a little cheap. Down in Florida is kind of our heritage. That's kind of where fish have bred over the many, many years here in the United States. And um, uh, but we've began this fish breeding activity back, well, essentially since Antonio's come along, which is basically as we were 99, I think, is when we started. So 12, over 20 years. But 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 he pre, it predates that too because there was a whole lot of energy going into doing this. There's been a lot of health-related um, fish problem-related issues on certain species of fish for which trying to solve the problem uh, that when Antonio came along and he's quite the master fish breeder, um, Mm -hmm. uh, nobody can deny that. And he just wanted to kind of get him, get his fingers wet again. And so we set up, uh, he first did it in his basement. And then, uh, when we moved into old town in, uh, 96, uh, he started, we set up a room specifically for him. Talk a little bit about Astral, um, the fish that we breed and why is best you understand it uh, from live bears, uh, angelfish, bettas, the, the kind of, you know, reason why it makes sense to do that in spite of the fact that there are other alternative places we could get these fish from. So a lot of the fish we breed are fish that in their growing process require a lot of attention and food and just maintenance to grow out well and to grow out looking healthy and sellable frequently. Those species that we order in often don't get that maintenance because they're raised in large systems and they don't get the adequate food that they need to look really nice. And so us breeding them in terms of, you know, the health and well-being of the fish and also the marketability uh, is really important. And it's, it's a good focus to have. Like oh, we have celestial pearl daniels, for example, that when they come in, they never look great. So we put a lot of time and effort into them because they're gorgeous fish and we want them to sell well and we want them to live well also for the sake of the customers. Um, other fish, too, that we breed are some that are more sensitive to travel or more sensitive to different parasites or more sensitive to different water parameters. So us breeding them in-house and acclimating them to our Lansing City water versus the water that they might need, like in the wild, over a few generations, we get healthier, hardier fish that are going to do a lot better in our aquarium systems. And that overall is great, too, because it's going to be good for our customers. They're able to get some fish that, you know, they wouldn't get elsewhere. Um, rams are a really great example of this. They can be super sensitive to different water parameters as well as illnesses. And so us breeding them here allows for us to slowly change that genome over time and allow for them to acclimate a lot better to our conditions and control a lot of those systems. Um, betas are always just a great option. Uh, we can get them, you know, extremely cheap coming over. They can be really nice, but they're a good option to have also, too, because they want we want them to acclimate to our water conditions a bit more. And they're just, they're, you know, a crowd favorite. They're my favorite. Um, live bearers, especially guppies, everyone's favorite, but they're 
to get really good guppies. And Antonio, personally, having seen a lot in the state, has some of the best. Um, it's really essential to give them a lot of focus, a lot of like time separating out the fish and things where in a system that we'd order from, they generally don't get that care and attention either. They are amazing. Um, and what I, what I kind of love about, uh, Astro with the bed is that we breed and some that we bring in, um, she, she actually gives them a personal name, mm-hmm. uh, and it's and it's fantastic because the people that come in, they're going to have that one single pet, and it's going to be you know a, a child's first pet. You know, they're introduced to this animal um, by first name, right? And it's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I was in your store last week reading all the different names <laughs> that were attached to them, and I think you do a wonderfully creative job with that. Thank you. Yeah, we we need like Astral's name book. Yeah. And we can just kind of consult the Astral name book and yeah. pick out a name. No doubt. Now, Astral, I've got a, a question for you. Uh, it seems like from what you've just described that between the fish that you are breeding in the back and even the ones who come in that you know are going to need a degree of attention and care during the quarantine session to make sure that they're in great health before the customer comes in and buys them. I know that that is not a common practice at a lot of other stores, and it makes me wonder. There's a lot of people who have shied away from having fish tanks because, oh, they always die on me. And I'm thinking that the reason that Proust's pet stands out a little bit in people's minds is because of these kinds of steps that you guys take. Is that accurate? I would say so. And I'd like to say, too, that thanks to, you know, the age of social media and information at our fingertips, it's becoming a lot more common, especially in the hobby where people are understanding some of those needs now for their fish. And I think we're taking big steps forward um, in the terms of like aquarium health and fish raising, too. So I'm very excited Mm. about that. Yeah, I agree. And um, I want to at least... uh this is a sometimes this radio show and and talking to the the immediate public uh, gives me an opportunity to kind of like tip my hat to individuals that I, that really need the hat tip to uh one thing i wanted to bring up is your diligent at fish health and although you work in the fish breeding room on a day-to-day basis um partly i think because um health in the in in the uh, breeding room is so important. Part of it is you get to kind of associate with Antonio on a day-to-day basis, but you've been working hard at developing good skills at, at uh, diagnosing fish diseases to the extent that throughout the store, as we have issues or problems, you know, we kind of bring them to Astral and she spends time on the microscope trying to kind of discover those. You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. Um, there are, there are many fish diseases that we are just entirely unaware of. And as we go, I am learning a lot consistently. It's um, very frequently there, are, especially when we're dealing with home aquariums, there are just things that aren't visible to the human eye. And so I get to spend a lot of time figuring out if that's what we're dealing with or if we're dealing with infections, viruses, bacterium. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's sometimes kind of freaky and it's really 
a lot of learning in terms of just fish pathogens. And so I, I spend a lot of time trying to document for others, uh, for the staff and everyone else who I can, and trying to just get as much information on the most effective way to treat our fish, the most effective way to quarantine our fish, you know, so... Quarantine is also important because the less fish we have to treat, the better and the less stress. And just trying to get a good ecological base for taking care of illnesses when they arise for just the general well-being of all the fish that we have. Um, and with that, too, we're, we're always learning more about like new medications, and so I'm doing a lot of work with that and figuring out, you know, best best medications to use, um, what medications are available, like, across seas, because that's going to depend a lot on how we treat our fish here. Like, if they only have certain common medications there, other medications that we have available to us in the States would be more effective generally. And just a lot of troubleshooting and a lot of walking our customers through it too because, you know, diseases can be really scary and really it's a common thing that they're just not introduced to yet. Well, Astral, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and sharing that information about it because it really does make a difference and helps you guys stand out. So thank you very much. We really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. And Rick, after the break, we're going to continue the conversation and talk to someone else that helps out in the breeding that's done inside Proust Pets. And we'll have that right after the break on 1320 WILS. Like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash mmpets. Upload your pet's picture or check out the silly pet photos that we put up there to get you through your day. Is it time to get your dog spruced up for spring? Give us a call at 333-WOOF to schedule your dog's day of pampering at Doggy Daycare and Spa. All of our grooming services include customized shampoo and conditioning treatments, individual attention, and we never, ever use cage dryers. Our spa specialists only use patient practices, making your dog's grooming experience a positive one. We offer convenient appointment times at both of our locations in Lansing and Okemos. Call us at 333-WOOF, that's 333-9663, to schedule your dog's visit to the spa today. Doggy Daycare and Spa, where the hip hounds hang out. Once in a great while, a streaming service comes along that changes the landscape of home entertainment, introducing Proust Pets, Ponds, and Water Gardens, a streaming service that changes the landscape of your landscape, featuring cutting-edge technology like running water, live fish, and rocks with a download size between 5 and 500 gallons. Pausing your water feature is just as easy as walking away. All Proust Pets water features come with built-in theft protection, literally built into the earth. So unless someone plans on deadlifting your yard clean out of the neighborhood, your water feature is safe. Bruce Pets can update your application anytime with new features, including more fish, vacuum and cleaning rentals, and troubleshooting to keep your system running smoothly. Visit Bruce Pets in Old Town to learn more about the future of home entertainment. Kind of. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. 
It's 9.35, and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. It's Katie Ramp, who also works for Pruce Pets, and she is the small animal uh, breeding room coordinator. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Katie, what does the breeding room coordinator do? Because I can only imagine what, what people must be thinking when it comes to that. And and so what do you do? Yeah, so um, at Prince, we breed a lot of our small animals. Um, actually, right now we're breeding uh, dagoos, rats gerbils, chinchillas, sugar gliders, hamsters, hedgehogs. Um, so it's quite a large list of, of different critters that we breed up here. Um, so I kind of coordinate all of our breeding projects. Um, so I pair up our animals and um, just make sure all of our babies are doing good and bring them down to the floor when they're ready, um, when they're ready to go and find their new homes and just kind of keeping track of them and making sure they all stay nice and healthy and happy. Gotcha. And, and what, what would be the reason for uh, needing to do that? I mean, what, what does that bring to the table by, by us breeding our own um, group of animals? Yeah, so it's really great to do it here. Um, so me and a lot of our staff who work in the small animal and reptile department, um, we get to take a little bit of extra time with our babies and um, kind of get them more used to people. So they're a little bit extra social um, just because they've been around us their whole lives and um, they're a little bit more used to people. Um, and also it's just it's a great way we're able to track their genetics a little bit better too. Um, a lot of our pairs, we've... Um, We've raised some of like our female rats since they were babies, um, so we kind of know their genetics and and who we can breed them with and who we shouldn't be breeding them with and all that kind of stuff too. Interesting. Now, when it comes to all you mentioned about eight different groups of animals, how different are each one of them? I mean, are are they all fairly similar? in the way that they breed, or are there remarkable differences in the way that that they go about that? Yeah, so I'd say it's probably about um, split in half on the way that kind of we pair them. Um, so some of our species, like our dagoos, chinchillas, and gerbils, um, they pair for life. So uh, we just find a male and a female that we want to put together, and they, they bonded for life. Um, and both the parents raise the babies, um, makes our jobs a little bit easier since they're just together all the time. Um, but then like our rats and hamsters and hedgehogs, um, they, we pair a male and a female up for a week, um, and then separate the male from the female and let the female raise the babies on their own. Um, but those are really only the two major differences. Some, some tend to have that more family unit and some need to be kind of, um, independent from the their partner is that that's mm-hmm. what you're saying yeah now yeah. as far as the time of of gestation are they pretty similar or is there significant differences and also the the quantity of babies in the litters are they uh one at a time or are they multiples i mean again how does that work for some of us who frankly have never been around animals bearing babies (laughs) for sure yeah that definitely varies a lot between all of them 
Um, like with gerbils, for example, they'll just kind of constantly be having litters of babies. Um, and they can range from like groups of four to like groups of 10. Um, and same with hamsters, and, and they have a much shorter gestation period. It's like a couple of weeks um, for them to have babies, and they'll be born, you know, furless little little pink uh, little pink critters um, that can't move or, or do too much. They just kind of um, hang out there, and, and mom is caring for them constantly. Um, and then, like, our chinchillas and our dagoos, um, they have a little bit of a longer gestation period, like three to four months. Um, but when their babies are born, they have full fur, um, and they're kind of jumping around and already more independent than a lot of the, um, small animals are. <laughs> and at what age would, uh, if somebody wanted a hamster or a gerbil, at what age would we be moving them down on the floor and make them available to them? Yeah. Um, it's usually about three to four weeks or so until they're ready to leave mom. And then what about, uh, let's say the chinchillas and dagoos, um, yeah. same, um, same amount, a little bit longer. So the chinchillas are more like two and a half months ish, mm-hmm. um, until they're ready to go. Um, they're just slower to grow than like the hamsters are. Um, and then the dagoos are about a month, month and a half. Now what, what led your uh, you you are very interested in this and do a great job. What what kind of um, you know going through school or as a child? What kind of things uh, uh, interested you about this that led you here? Yeah. So when I was younger, I was always I always liked the mammals. I was you know the kid at the zoo who knew what the coffee bears was before um, anybody else. <laughs> um, so. I was always kind of a kid who gravitated towards the mammals and um, in school and I had done internships at at Finder Park Zoo um, and that's just always kind of where I've gravitated towards. Gotcha. And uh, you not only breeding of the animals, but you also spend a bit of time on the floor. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I also work on the field floor in the Reptile and Small Animal Department. Um, So a lot of stuff down there, I'm doing a lot of making sure we have tanks available for our babies and get them all nice and set up for them. Um, And then also talking with customers, getting them informed on our small animals. Um, Definitely you'll have a lot of times people come in with little kids and um, they're interested in getting a hamster or something and then they realize they're just a little bit too jumpy and um, it's really fun to kind of work with people and um, figure out what's going to fit best in their family. Now, Katie, when it comes to uh, helping people to understand what is right for them, who is right to take on, say, a baby versus taking on one of the adult animals because it's just different to care for, I would imagine. Help me understand that process. Um, so I guess there's kind of the two downside or the, the up and the down of that one. Um, you know, if you get a baby, they're going to, they're going to be with you a little bit longer. Um, but they're definitely going to take some more time to get used to you. Um, baby, anything is going to be a little bit more nervous than, um, like an adult who's a little bit more socialized and used to people. Um, but if it's definitely something where where you want to have as much time as possible with them and um, would rather start 
off when they're maybe a little bit more nervous and kind of watch them get more comfortable with you. Um, but it definitely takes a little bit more patience than like an adult who's socialized and, and isn't as scared as a baby would be. Yeah. And what I would like to think of, and Lee spends a lot more time thinking about dogs. Right. Um, and I would say the difference or the contrast and why oftentimes people are getting um, young, small animals is that there's not that much more responsibility that goes into uh, taking care of a youngster versus an adult, right? Same about same kind of cage maintenance and maybe the interaction time should be more time, but usually when you're getting into an animal, you're enthusiastic about doing that anyhow. Yeah. Um, You know, that's what I'd like to talk a little bit about when we come back uh, is just what kind of commitment that it takes for somebody that wants to do a small animal, whether it's an adult or a juvenile, so that they have an idea if this is going to fit in their life. So, Right. And, and that's an important part of putting together the right person with the right animal with the understanding in advance of what all goes into it. So we will have that conversation with Katie Ramp, who works in the small animal breeding room at Bruce Pets right after the break on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Where do you go when you discover an unexpected treasure? Come to Liberty Coins in Frandor. In March, a woman drove her elderly mother to the bank to deposit less than $100 of rolled coins into her account. When the teller opened the first roll of dimes, the top coin was silver. The daughter instantly knew at least some of the coins were worth more than face value. They left the bank to go to Liberty Coins. We paid her mother $1,500 for coins she had planned to deposit in her bank account. What treasures do you have that Liberty can help you with? Pick up a free copy of our Cash in Your Treasures brochure in our store or view it online at libertycoinservice.com. For 50 years, Liberty Coins and Frandor has been the right place to go. I'm Tom Coulson reminding you to put cash in your pocket today. We're Liberty Coins. We're right on the money. Once in a great while, a streaming service comes along that changes the landscape of home entertainment, introducing Proust Pets, Ponds, and Water Gardens, a streaming service that changes the landscape of your landscape, featuring cutting-edge technology like running water, live fish, and rocks, with a download size between 5 and 500 gallons. Pausing your water feature is just as easy as walking away. All Proust Pets water features Features come with built-in theft protection, literally built into the earth. So unless someone plans on deadlifting your yard clean out of the neighborhood, your water feature is safe. Bruce Pets can update your application anytime with new features, including more fish, vacuum and cleaning rentals, and troubleshooting to keep your system running smoothly. Visit Bruce Pets in Old Town to learn more about the future of home entertainment. Kind of. Welcome back to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, your number one source for information on taking care of your pets. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. 
We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking today all about the breeding of animals, and our guest for this segment continues to be Katie Ramp, who works in the small animal uh, breeding room at Pruce Pets. And Katie, before the break, Rick had asked you the question about who is really the appropriate person for what animals and at what age. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So for younger kids, I know a lot of people's mind go to hamsters um, initially as just the most common small animal first pet. Um, I always like to recommend rats to people first coming in. They're always my top recommendation um, for People with kids of any age, but especially younger kids, um, they're just super, super social. Um, that's the one thing with them is that you do want to make sure that you have lots of time to give them outside of their cage um, just because they're so smart and they just love attention. Um, but they also are like the least fighty um, and, and least likely to just kind of run off and get scared um, of all the small animals. They're super social. They'll bond to their people um, like crazy. They're just They're just the best pets. Um, usually it takes people a little bit to get over the tails and um, the idea of a rat, but once they do, uh, we have people who come in um, for years to get, just keep getting rats because they're just the best pets. <laughs> yeah, and the thing to mention with rats, I guess if there's only one downside is uh, for an animal as large as they are, um, like the chinchilla, he'll, he'll, he or she might live 15 or even 20 years, but a rat mm-hmm. might only have a lifespan of a couple years. Right. Which, you know, I guess to some extent, I mean, it is nature and that's the way the the rats are built. So I, you kind of just have mm-hmm. to accept that. But on the upside for over a few years, you can get to learn and understand and connect with, you know, different personalities and how different each rat right. is at the same time. Do you have a personal, uh, you definitely sound like you're beaming from ear to ears when you talk about rats, mm-hmm. but do you personally have a, a favorite pet? Um, my favorite of the small animals that we carry are definitely the chinchillas. Um, I'm a little biased. I have rats and a chinchilla. Um, <laughs> so right. they're definitely at the top of my list. Um, but chinchillas, they're just a little bit more temperamental with, with what they can tolerate handling wise. Um, I know my chinchilla personally, he will come up to the cage all the time, um, loves to get scratches and attention and pets. Um, but he's not one for being held and cuddled. So um, they're just ones that are a little bit finickier, um, and they just need a little bit more patience. And they and they they can be um, they can kind of jump. They're pretty jumpy. So if you you know you oh, down yeah. down near the ground, you're okay. But you could you could cause trouble if you're walking around with them and they they feel apprehensive. Definitely, yeah. Um, would they're you... one that takes a little bit more work to to bond to you for sure. So. Whether it's associated with age or uh, the basic nature and maturity of the child, what makes, or an adult, what makes an appropriate pet owner for a chinchilla? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is is time commitment and consistency with them. Um, That's kind of the same thing that I see with sugar gliders, too. Um, As long as you're consistent with them and working with them, um, they're gonna they're gonna eventually bond to you and understand that you're not a predator to them um, and that you're just there to love them and give them attention. Um, it's just 
about consistence with them. If you go a couple weeks and you don't really pay attention to them, um, you know, they might just kind of, oh, this person doesn't care about me. But if you're consistent with them and, and giving them attention, then they'll understand that you're there to care for them and um, that you're not something that they should be afraid of or anything. Now, Katie, how well do these different types of small animals intermingle with one another? I mean, can they share in terms of cage space or what have you, or do they all need to be kept completely separate? Uh, How are they in that regard? Yeah, so species I would keep separate, um, but there's certain species where you could have multiple, um, like gerbils are really social Um, So you could definitely do, you know, two or three female gerbils together would get along perfectly fine. And um, as long as you have a big enough space for them, sometimes males get along just fine too. Um, Rats are another one that are super social and so are degus. Um, It just kind of depends on the species. Really, hamsters are the ones where you want to just keep them by themselves um, because they'll just fight. (laughs) (laughs) And hedgehogs, I would imagine, also. Yep, yep, hedgehogs too. Um, A lot of the small animals are actually very social, but um, yeah, hedgehogs and and hamsters just don't get along too well long term. What's the general rules for guinea pigs? We haven't brought them up, but go ahead. What's the general rule for guinea pigs? Yeah, guinea pigs, a lot of times we'll hear about males fighting. Um, So usually males are better off separate, but every once in a while, you definitely do get that weird case where two males are super bonded together, Um, but females get along fine together. Um, You can definitely do a group of females, and they get along fine. Yeah, I can remember uh, harking back to my days. uh, There were only two times I got bit by guinea pigs, and both (laughs) of them were sparring males uh, that were going after each other, and I tried to break it up. You would think after the mm-hmm. first one I would have learned my lesson, but <laughs> <laughs> but I did not. Uh, and uh, they can they can uh, you you don't you don't separate two men. <laughs> you, you let them duke it out, or you find something physical to put in between them. But uh, yeah. Um, now, Katie, uh, as far as another animal we haven't brought up, but uh, I know a lot of people like our ferrets. And frankly, mm-hmm. Rick's daughter, Kerbay, constantly is posting really cute videos of her ferrets, but she was really, I thought, very appropriate in one of her most recent posts where she talked about, as cute as these are, they are not for everybody, and there are Mm -hmm. things you have to know to keep them. What are those things that people should do in order to have ferrets? Definitely, yeah. So um, what we like to tell people anytime they come in to get a ferret is it's kind of having like a three-year-old for life. Um, They're going to be super, super high energy, um, just want to get into everything. Um, They need a lot of playtime. And unlike some of, unlike most of the small animals, actually, um, they do need routine vet care. They do need um, rabies and distemper vaccines annually, um, which is something that a lot of people don't really think of with the fair. Um, They're definitely more like adopting a cat or a dog into your home than um, like a hamster or or chinchilla or something like that. Yeah. I was just thinking as I've watched Kirby's ferrets, (laughs) one, they are incredibly entertaining just i mean 
a handful. <laughs> They're a handful, but you know she has two of them, and and I would say that the the two. <laughs> two, two are better than one, right? right? Because they can Definitely. play with each other. We can try to play with them on their terms. But we don't really know their terms <laughs> like they know their terms. And they are just endless entertainment. But you need to be able to find that time of the day to actually put in the time, to, to even if it's just a matter of chaperoning them when they're out and around playing around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, So I would say that depending on the age group of the child and their chance of having good attention span, you know, you go down to something like a hamster or a gerbil where if they're in the cage more often, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Right. And then you've got something like a ferret that, um, well, they have teeth and they have more assertive teeth. If they, if you don't work with them, uh, they don't, if they don't understand who you are and what your intentions are, where God forbid they feel your intentions are threatening, um, mm-hmm. you don't want to own a ferret, you know, because they don't want to own you, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and the other thing with the ferrets too is their skin is a lot thicker than ours is. So when their their natural playing instincts is to to bite and wrestle, um, but they don't necessarily realize that they're biting as hard as they are because. Um, their skin is so much thicker than ours, so they just don't even think about it. And so there is some kind of like adjustment, and that's where I think that trust comes in too. Is that you know you really need to be able to put your energy, your personal energy, into understanding that animal in front of you, and what does he want or what does she want, as opposed to what you want as a pet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it sounds like, Katie, in addition to all of the effort that you guys put in in terms of breeding and quarantining and what have you, there's also a lot that people need to think about when it comes to a, a matching up the time of their life and what the animal needs. And it sounds like there's an appropriate small animal for <laughs> just about everybody at all ages. Uh, if, if there's one thing I will say, though, it's that they should talk to someone like you and find that out first. Agreed? Yeah, definitely. Um, Planning ahead is always the best move. Um, Sometimes we just don't have the availability because small animals are just so awesome and everyone wants them. Um, So sometimes it's harder for us to to get them in, um, to get our own babies. It definitely takes some time. Um, So definitely planning ahead and and coming in and figuring out what's best for you is, is best. (laughs) Sounds like great advice. Katie Ram, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure. And Rick, I'm sorry to say we just don't have any more time for this week, but we will have more time next weekend. So on behalf of our producer, Grant LaFave and Rick Proust, my co-host in the studio, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great holiday weekend. Uh, Enjoy yourself. We'll be back next weekend to talk more about what's going on with the animals and the pets right here on the MidMichigan Pet expert talk show meantime will you all please please take good care of your pets and have a great time this holiday weekend hey get some ideas for a show questions maybe suggestions just email us mmpets at 1320wils.com or message us on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash mmpets